Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for moving in our midst, Lord, and showing us your understanding, Lord, and giving us knowledge and wisdom. And Lord, I just thank you for giving us wisdom in all literature and skill and everything, Lord, and making us ten times better than those around us, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for blessing these devotions and making it where they're fruitful and there's stuff to learn in them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, well, today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 27. All right? Yes. Let's get to it. It said, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the six hundred men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, and Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. And David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time of David, or that David dwelt in this country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerizites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Why have you made a raid today? Or where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the... Jeremelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. And David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, he has made his people, Israel, utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. So, any questions, any comments, um, or even more importantly, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? Promise? Can I ask what um, abhor means? Hate. Mm-hmm. And despise like, to your very core. And isn't that the guy who's in the previous chapters? Um, abhor no. is a verb. It means to hate. Are you talking about Akish? Yes. 
when he won't do it to the kids. No, that was Abner. I think he meant when David first tried with his parents. Oh, that's someone in Moab. <clears throat> I don't remember. Let's take a peek. Other than that, I'll, I'll look into it. This is the same guy. Where? Then Akish said to his servant, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him here to me? Well, that was earlier when he ran from Saul the first time. And he went there and acted as he was without his right mind. Yes, I think so. It's the same king, but that's different. It wasn't in the cave with him. He left the cave and was wandering around, right? He still had Goliath's sword with him? No, he was just asking if this is the same Makish that he had come into contact with before. Okay, I misunderstood that. So then, yes, it is the same same king as before. So, yes, there is some history there. Well, what else did you get out of it? That kind of like, even though David wants to go, not, even though he didn't, he left Israel, he still wasn't raiding the places that the, like he wasn't raiding Judah or any of the places. Uh, I don't know. That he said he was. Would you say it was better that he would still find the enemies of the Israelites? It would be better instead of using your hand against the Lord's people. Well, um, I am kind of sad that David did this. And then he was lying about it. I mean, I I don't know these these people groups, if they were people that the Lord was like, you know, you shall utterly attack them, except for the Amalekites. Yeah. Yes. Except for them. But what was the reason for this? I, you know, I was, I was actually kind of disappointed with this behavior. I don't see where the Holy Spirit said, you know, these people for this reason, like he did with Saul, go attack these people and their king and get rid of everything because of this reason. This was David kind of getting things from himself. Well, it says that very specifically in verse 1. Right? David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. When literally the previous verse was even Saul acknowledging the Lord blessing David, Mm -hmm. saying that the Lord's hand is the one that protected David. And he continued to do so the entire time and would continue to do so. So David, as well as our job, therefore, is to remain steadfast, faithful, trusting the Lord that he's going to do what he said he'd do. Mm-hmm. And now we see what it looks like without that, when we don't adhere to that. We don't continue to have faith in the Lord and in his word, what he specifically said to us, not just the written word, but also what he speaks to us. It is uh, certainly easy for for humans, for people, and God, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points that we were or would be, but what's yet without sin. So God understands that people have, have a promise from the Lord, they have a word, and then when it looks like to the human that it's being delayed. And it can be easy sometimes to get disheartened with the Lord or with the process of 
waiting with him, walking with him, taking the steps as he says, take them, taking the turns as he says, you know, turn and do this, that, or the other. And to become a little despondent and feel like, well, I might as well go do this. But like your dad said, it's important that you recognize what's happening with yourself and don't give up. Don't get disheartened and certainly don't start behaving in a way that is ungodly and unloving to other people or yourself because your faith has to stay engaged, right? To keep, God said what he said, and he's not slack concerning promises as men count slackness, but he is a thorough and just God who fulfills everything that needs to be done. And this is something the Holy Spirit has been reminding me about myself because he's spoken things to me in the past, and then I go, okay, all right, Lord, you know, you wait for it with anticipation, then it feels like it's pushed off and delayed. And then the, the natural mind will go, okay, well, never mind, I guess we're not going to do that anymore. Well, let me change directions, or maybe I'll just go do this, or, you know, something else. But God has also reminded me that he is faithful. And I, I'm seeing things that I prayed about and forgotten really <laughs> until he had me go back and read something where i wrote it down i had forgotten about it but god was bringing it to pass and you know i had to check myself again and go okay let me be grateful because i was kind of like well lord i already said never mind <laughs> because i was feeling despondent but he is still faithful in all things so for david to say in his heart that he would perish someday by the hand of saul is a contradiction to what God said. How dare you die or think you're going to die when God said you're going to be king and sit on the throne? How, how can those two be together? Sure, God could raise him up from the dead. You know, Abraham surmised the same thing when it came to Isaac, since he raised him from the dead initially anyway, metaphorically speaking, because Abraham's body was old and dead and dry, and so was Sarah's. It was dry, hey. They, they weren't producing children. It had, they were old. But God raised him from the dead in that sense, so he could have thought that. But why would, why would David say that when God said and told him that he was going to sit on the throne? Why would he let that be the meditation of his heart? Do you guys ever feel that way? I saw everybody's eyes shift and... <laughs> Squirming in their seats. Uh huh. Yes. yes. But is God a man that he should lie? No. no. So, Kyle, I see this look on your face. Turn this way and share with us. Sometimes I feel like that, or I wonder, like, well, God, I know you said this, but are you sure? I'm sure there's somebody better than me. They could do this easy. It's not hard. I'm not bringing anything new to the table. It's not rocket science. And I'm like, well, and there's times, like, with learning math, there's areas I'm like, well, I don't understand what's going on. I don't grasp it like right away like I think I should magically I look at it and I know everything there is to know and execute it and that's what it takes to be an engineer. You have to be stellar at math, otherwise you suck. 
and you won't ever get the job. Okay. But did God ask you to do any of those things? What did he ask you for? Uh, to go to school to be an engineer. He asked you for your faith, and he asked you for your obedience. Uh-huh. That, that's the basic thing right there, the basic element of what he asked every human for, your faith and your obedience. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you have to have faith, right? And if you have faith, then you'll do what he asks you to do, right? If this, then that. If you believe him, if you trust him, then, of course, you'll obey him, right? And if you love him, of course, you'll obey him. You'll do what he asks you to do. If you love him, then you'll trust him and you'll obey him. So um, God didn't ask David to bring himself into anything. And actually, David had been doing a good job of avoiding that temptation to put his hands to it, to try to make provisions or make way for himself. But here, for some reason, after he had done all these these triumphant things, and no, it wasn't victorious battles and everybody's cheering your name and all that kind of nonsense, but it was the things of the, the small things, the secret matters that matter to the Lord, that are of great importance to him. Right, Jesus tells us about that uh, when he describes praying in secret. Um, the secret things, the small things, nobody's watching, that he had been triumphing in. But some somewhere in between him leaving Saul and Saul going, you're going to be blessed of the Lord, and you know, David returned to his place, and which was a victory, right? Because he was able to resolve the matter without bloodshed, without um, violence or disrespecting but to do it in peace and relatively in love and save lives, if you will, that day. But now he's despondent in his heart, believing that or saying to himself he's going to perish by the hand of Saul, of all people, when God has already said so many things. But when we think back about Psalms, you see David going through those periods and having to remind himself who God is, having to stir himself up, if you will, encourage his own heart to keep going. Um, What's that scripture that says, don't be weary and well-doing? For in time you shall receive Mm -hmm. your reward. If you faint not. Mm -hmm. I'll look that up real quick. But that's an important element of our life and our walk of faith. We are humans, and of course we want it instant. Of course we want everything tomorrow. Yes, we would all love that. But that is not how God does things all the time. Some things are suddenly. Other things are cultivated and developed. And the moving pieces are brought in. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. You read it to me, honey. Make sure I got it right. Yep. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Mm-hmm. Amen. And you know, and you want to say something, baby? Oh, it just continues. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, mm-hmm. and especially to the family of faith. Amen. Amen. Um, when we're walking with the Lord, right, There's there are two paths set before us. Moses describes them as life and death, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the path of life is the one that's narrow, right? It's the one that 
the path of life requires self-control. Discipline. Requires discipline, and it requires it having an in-tune nature and in-tuneness to the Lord and being a, watching him to be aware of the situation around you, to know where you are in pace with him. The other way, which is the way of death, is broad, and there's many travelers on that way because all you need to be on that path is... A willing participant? <laughs> you. There. Okay. Um, your flesh, you know, it's easier. There's least resistance. There's nobody trying to stop you from living in a way that is um, fleshly, lustful, and detrimental to you. There's, there's literally no resistance to that. But the way of life that is narrow and has few travelers, there's resistance. And most of it comes in the way of mental bombardment from the enemy. And throwing darts, fiery darts at you, right? We've, you remember the, the um, armor of God? Yes. Your shield of faith that you need to quench all the fiery, fiery darts of the wicked one. Yes, that's persecution, but most of it is mental. If he can get you to quit in your mind, if he can get you to give up on God, then he's got you. Right, because most yes. people, if they can fight, they can fight off a, a, an offender. They're like, "I see you, I'll fight you." Most of the time, you know, you you can fight that off. Most people will readily recognize that. But what is not as easily recognizable are subtle words. Adam and Eve in the garden. Ah, did God really say that? You can see that right here. Did God really say you're going to be the king? You might get killed by Saul. Right? You can see those kind of thoughts being allowed to have some place here. Because he's saying in his heart these things versus this is the same man that loved the word of God that had it written on the table of his heart that meditated on the word of God. But this is not the word of God that you're going to die by Saul's hand. Is it? No, it's that he would be king. Right, that he was someone better than Saul that would sit on the throne. Yes. So why is it that David's words, his confession, was so against the Lord's? I'll tell you. Because he had let those thoughts in. He gave them place in his life. Mm -hmm. Jesus says in this way, and he talks about worry, he says, take no thought, saying, yes, the thoughts, the enemy has the same tactics. He does... He loves to barrage the human mind with thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Why? Because without faith, you cannot access the blessings and the things that God has planned for you. Faith is our medium of exchange with heaven, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need our faith. It's vital to the believer. So if he can get you to doubt God, right? What, is, what did Jesus say in Mark 11, verses 23 or so? For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Stop right there. Rewind for just a little bit. Says and does not do what? Doubt in his heart. Where? In his heart. David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Do you all see that very clearly? Yes. 
If you continue to walk in faith and believe God, nothing is impossible to you. You can move mountains, strongholds, turn overturn things in the natural and cause them to line up with the spiritual realm, in particular what God has already said concerning you. But if you doubt in your heart, right, then if this, then that, right? If you believe without doubting, then nothing is withheld, nothing is impossible to you. We're not talking about conjuring anything up. We're saying what God has already apportioned and aligned and said, stated in his word is ours, right? David had a, a word from the Lord that's that's equal, right? Yes. Okay. To what God said, this is his spoken word written down. So him, he's still speaking. He has not yet stopped speaking. And he, there are no plans for him to stop speaking, okay? So yes. his word is still valid. If he believes in his heart and does not doubt, he can have everything that God said to him. However, if he doubts, then what? You can't have it. It takes you further and further away from getting it because you just saw what the word said. Believe and do not doubt. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So what does the enemy do? He tries to delude our faith with fiery darts of thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. And he, he doesn't make them sound like a stranger talking because, of course, you'll recognize that right away. Right? Yes. But he does try to mimic what your own voice sounds like or the voice of someone you'll trust. But your job is to know the word of God. So when you're like, hey, wait a second. David should have said, whoa, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Shut up, devil. Wait a minute. God said, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord said, I will be king of Israel, not just a piece of it, but the whole thing. So how then can I die? That's not true. God is not a liar. And he should have run into Jesus and said, Lord, you said, I believe you. Does it to make that kind of step to rebut those little sly thoughts that come in? It's not always easy, especially when you're tired. David has had a long journey of fighting and resisting and resisting the enemy on the other, the other setups to kill Saul, right? He resisted. Clearly, that was the enemy behind that. He had resisted those, and now he's feeling like, oh, I wish this would just be over, I'm sure. I mean, I've had long journeys with the Lord, and I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, okay. <laughs> when are we going to wrap this one up? Exactly. <laughs> but be that as it may, does it relieve us of our obligation to stay on guard, stay on watch? The Lord said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he gave us his name and his word, right? Yes. The word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Yes. He gave us his word to enforce what he's already said. Just what Adam and Eve were supposed to do in the garden. When that snake started talking to Eve, she should have been like, what you say? Get out of here in the name of Jesus. She should have ran over. God, God, there's a snake over here talking. Sound, sure sounds like the devil. No, she might not have known about the devil at the time. But she should have told because he was saying things to her that didn't line up with what God said. And God is the boss. He didn't ask you to try to duke it out on your own and, you know, lay there and struggle. He said, use his word. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth because that's what people do. And it's, I'll say it's natural, but it's not excusable. 
it is what happens to many humans, to many people, but that doesn't make it okay. You should not tolerate it or make excuses or places for it, but rather you should be aware of Satan's devices. Don't be ignorant of them. Be aware and have your defenses ready, right? Why did God give us the whole armor of God if he meant for us to be caught off guard? And sword, as you already said, was the word. Mm -hmm. That's how Jesus fought everything. It is written. The, The devil himself. That's exactly what he said to him. Then he said, get away from me, Satan. And at the last temptation, if you will, bow down, fall down, and worship me. I mean, that was pretty desperate. He just got really blatant with it. And the Lord was like, uh, <laughs> no. How about not? You shall serve the Lord your God only, right? You shall worship yes. the Lord your God only. So, and he told him to get away from him. Of course, he's Jesus, so. <laughs> but if he said it is written, what do you think we should be saying? It is written. Okay, and what did God tell Joshua? Come on. At the beginning of the book. Huh? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the book. What was the most significant thing God said to Joshua that was to shape his whole life? Don't let the word of God depart from your eyes. Don't turn from the left or the right. Bingo. Turn to the left or the right. Yes. But meditate on it day and night. Isn't that what he told everybody? Put it before Long your eyes. before he told that to Joshua. So it included Joshua as well. Yes. Right? He said, and you should study the word. Paraphrasing, of course. Say the word and talk about it as you lay down and as you get up and as you go about your day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so same, same. Yes. He's, he's repeating himself for a reason. It is beneficial for and to us to do those things. Mm-hmm. He's already given us the how, but we have to come into alignment and do it. We actually have to put our hands to the plow, if you will. Our plow and service is believing God and continuing in his word, right? Yes. But if you think it's going to float to you, you know, yes, God speaks to us and he speaks his word to us because he does not contradict himself. Absolutely. But you still have to go and do your part. You still have to endeavor to hear from him. You have to endeavor to know his word and to know him more and more closely. Right? That's your job. You have a part to play in this. And David let these words that the enemy was drilling him with, right? So the enemy, he comes with obvious things, and he comes with subtle things. And the Lord does not desire that we fall prey to any one of them, right? Yes. When people, other people out that are, you know, different from us, other people, yield their members as a tool for the enemy and try to set traps and snares from us. God has already said that they'll fall into the trap themselves. He's already said no weapon formed against us shall prosper. He's already said that he'll be with us, right? But what about the whispering? What about the thoughts that don't come from the Lord? Thoughts of doubt, unbelief, failure. God said we're the head and not the tail. He's already told them that. We're above and not beneath, especially you can't have that if you're living in disobedience. It's not for the disobedient one. He makes that clear. But for the one whose ways are pleasing to him, that believe him and do what he asked them to do, right? That one has the expectation. We've already got the promise of being above and not beneath. So how do you deal with it? Cast it out. 
Paul says, take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. So it's subject to Jesus Christ. Exactly. Bring it to captivity of Christ is what the, the scripture says, depending on your translation, but it means to make it subject to Jesus. Yes. But that comes with you, me, whoever, every person for themselves coming into alignment, bringing themselves into, I'll say, submission to the Lord and his will. Into alignment with his plan, his purpose, not your own. Mm-hmm. So you have to do that. Hmm. And then as you are doing that, also, anything that tries to rear his head up and sets itself against the will of the Lord, what he has spoken to you, bring it into subjection. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul says he buffets the flesh. Jesus, as our pattern example, in Isaiah 58, talks about living a fasted life. Right? says, so is this not the fast I would choose? One that does these things. Well, it's living a fasted life. Not going without all the time, but it's living your life in such a way that it is easy to hear the Lord. Your flesh is never so out of control that you can't hear what the Lord is saying about anything. But you always know it's Him. You always know what he's saying, clearly. So that we can come into alignment with it, we can actually be obedient and do it. Which is why he could then also, when he stood up to to read his sermon, he turned to Isaiah 61. Those two chapters are almost identical in what they're saying, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To do these things. Well, those are the exact same things that he says are in the fast that he would choose, right? Yes. yes. So it's not just about oh, buffeting the flesh for a time, going without certain things. It's about getting our entire being, spirit, soul, and body, in alignment. Humbling ourselves and being in submission to the Lord's leading, his will. <coughs> through his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some ways that we do that. <coughs> and some, excuse me, some things to be on the lookout for. David here in chapter 27, just like our Messiah, when he was tempted by the enemy, was in a place of being tired. Right? Yes. Fatigued with... The, our, our Lord and Savior had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, which is a, a test of self-control in and of itself to not eat um, for that long of a period of time. And David had already been running and resisting and doing all that for some time as well. So the enemy comes when people are, quote-unquote, weakened, right? In a weakened state, they're tired. So first thing is... Maintain your relationship and your covenant with the Lord. Okay? Stay with him. Don't ever think or feel like he's given up on him, given up on you. Don't give up on the Lord. He's never left you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Okay? Um, Recognize. It's not so much about how it sounds as to what what is being said. Okay? Does this line up with the scriptures or no? No, it doesn't. Does it line up with what God has already said to me? No. Yes or no, right? Yes. Um, 
The Lord causes you to feel peace. Your emotions are oftentimes what the enemy wants to play on. Okay? If your emotions are getting stirred up with it, anger, sadness, grief, uh, worry, doubt, fear, unbelief, those are all telltale signs that that's the enemy, not God. And he's using your flesh and your emotions to try to knock some holes in your armor, if you will. Put some holes in your hedge of protection that's already around us. Okay? So recognize it and go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving in to that. Lord, right? All you need to do is call out to Jesus. Lord, help me, right? And trust and know that he'll be there to help you. And then get the word before your eyes again. What did you say to me, Lord? Get that word that he spoke to you out. Hopefully you've written it down. If not, the Holy Spirit is here to bring things. Everything that he said to us, the Bible says that he will bring it to our remembrance. We'll call it to our remembrance. Everything that he said to us. Okay? Yes. And then <clears throat> listen internally. Right? Listen in your spirit. Your spirit belongs to God. It's your soul and your flesh that are unruly. Your soul is where your will and your emotions, your mind, your will, and emotions make up your soul. Your spirit man, once you are alive to God, it wants to do what God wants to do. Okay? And our flesh, which is a little dirt sack that we live in, is how we transact business with the world. We touch things. We pick it up. We have permission to be walking around and making decisions in this earth because we have a body. Right? That's just how God has set up the spiritual laws. So once you recognize that it's the enemy, tell it to get out of here in the name of Jesus. Right? Knowing that it's the name at the name of Jesus, every knee does what? Uh-huh. And every tongue shall what? Confess. That he is? Lord. Okay. So stand on the word. That's your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put your faith up, right? Lord, I believe you, and I trust what you said. Your flesh and your emotions are going to be going, I don't want to do that. They're, they will. <laughs> That's how I feel. I don't want to do that. I'd rather sulk in self-pity. Self-pity is not of God. When did he say, feel sorry for yourself? I don't remember that. Jesus wasn't on the cross. I'm telling you, he wasn't on the cross whining. Oh, God, you know what they're doing. Oh, this is hurting. It's so hard. He didn't do that. Oh, woe is me. He did none of that. He forgave. But why do, why do people do it? Feels good. It's easier. <laughs> exactly. It's easier. It requires little to no effort or energy on your part. All you got to do is feel it. It's true. And indulge it. You know what they said to me. You know how hard it's been for me. Hurt my feelings. Nobody never gave me nothing. All the wrong English in the world. <laughs> All the bad grammar. Um, yes, your, your emotions want to play that pity song. All those things are not of God. Right. But it takes discipline mm-hmm. and energy and focus and humility and submission to get in line and remain in line uh-huh. with the Lord. Right. And by align, I mean alignment mm-hmm. to be obedient to His will. Absolutely. You want everything else is screaming around you. Yep. And it's important to use, not try to just think thoughts. But to open your mouth 
and confess what the Lord has already said. Even if it's Jesus, I know you love me. Jesus, you are my Lord. Okay? Yes. And keep confessing that and trust and know that God will hold you, right? Hold your mind. He'll hold your, your being and make sure that you get through where you need to. But just like Jesus, you have to respond. He didn't just sit there quietly going, you're not talking, you're not talking. <laughs> he didn't do that. He did not do that. He responded with the word of God. He recognized the enemy for who he was. He listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he is always guiding us. He's always speaking to us. And he spoke what the Lord, what the word says. Okay? Yes. yes. Do you guys understand that? Yes. Can you recap for me? How do you get through a situation like that? to read the word you have to get it before your eyes and then you said open your mouth and confess it not just sit there and oh, you missed the first step <laughs> you have to have a relationship with the lord right, right? Or, or then you have a, a seven sons of skiva situation <laughs> in, in the name of jesus that paul knows well why don't you know right yeah. he was like paul, or paul jesus preaches. we know right yeah yeah jesus we know and paul we know but we don't know you beat him up all right okay well so you can't skip the first step which mm -hmm. comes from humility and submission to the lord you mm -hmm. can't be your lord and savior you're still trying to run your life Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. that's the first step that's right amen that's the truth but that's for everybody it's not just directed at you it's for, I, I, for me it's for your mother it's for everybody i think i've told you guys i've, I've had the lord go <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> um can i be lord and can you uh, get off the throne uh, of your own heart i'm like oh you were sitting there jesus i'm sorry <laughs> so, so that's the first step submission to him but also in there is the relationship right Yes. Okay. That's the absolute first step. You have to, have to, must have mm -hmm. that, that relationship. Yeah. And then you also have to, as you were saying, you have to read the word. You have to foster that relationship. Mm -hmm. Take care of it. Nurture it. That's right. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But there's a process to that resisting the devil. What was it? Does anybody else remember? Like when you're talking about how when the, the devil uses these, puts little thoughts in your head that saying, did the Lord really say that you have to take them captive? And, okay, I know that the Lord has my best interest at heart. He's not, uh, I don't like you today, so I'll send somebody with a sword to go get you. Mm -hmm. He That's has true. what we need for Amen. us. Amen. That's true. Okay. I believe he wants good for you. What? Yes, promise. And also, it said, put up your shoot, shoot and hedge your face in that face. Sorry. And then go, you're not talking, you're not talking. Right? So you can't hide your head in the sand and act like it's not there. It's no playing ostrich. Right? But you can put your shield of faith up and go, I believe God. Right? Yes. I believe what God has said to me. I trust him. That faith in who Jesus is, that faith in that God wants good for you, quenches all those darts because usually the thoughts are like, God doesn't love you. He's never going to give you that, right? He's going to let you die out here in the wilderness. That's what the children of Israel said all the time, over and over and over. Then you hear David singing this song a little bit. 
the sad song, now I'm surely going to perish by the hand of Saul. How can you? When God has already said he's with you and he's for you and that you're going to be the king. And that, right, and that he's taken the throne from Saul to give it to you. Exactly. So wait a second. How does that work out? Mm-hmm. So believing what God said to you and trusting him. Yeah. Anything else? You have, even with that faith thing, when you brought up Mark 11, if he believes in his heart, these things, and Kenneth Copeland had said, if you had the faith of God, that you can say to these mountains, be there or move to be cast into the sea, and you can have whatever you desire when it lines up with the word of God. I have uh-huh. to throw that in there because I often got that confused. It's whatever I wanted. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's not. It's in line with God. That's right. And you stay with him and you keep with him. Like with Joshua, don't let your eyes go to the left or the right. Well, so-and-so's life looks so much better than... Nope. You've got the life God has for you. You run your own race. You can't go run Susie Q's race. Absolutely. Exactly. They who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Mm-hmm. That's how Paul describes it. What else you got? Are you talking about the devotional? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Are well, you just joining us? Good morning. Yes, we are. Yes, we are talking about the steps, my love. So what else? What other steps? Galatians 6, 9. <laughs> I had to get there. Okay. It was a bit sticky. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Mm-hmm. We believe that he is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. How are we getting rid of the enemy? I mean, is it so, yes. So how does that get rid of the enemy? Well, oh. Oh. Go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get de- dejected saying, oh, it didn't happen now, so oh, the Lord doesn't really want me to have this. Oh, never mind, Lord. You, If you wanted me to have this, you would have given it to me by now. So... Immediately on a gold platter. I think people mix that up and they say, mm, just because I don't see it now, that means the Lord does not want me to have it. So they go through life. I can well, they're getting a little it. off track here, sir. We're talking about casting out the enemy. Yes, mm-hmm. You're talking about receiving blessings and benefits and things that you've asked for. Oh, yes, sir. I was going to say that when they think like that, it gives the enemy time. The Lord doesn't want you to have anything. He wants you to stay in the hole. Okay. But when we're also doing good, we can't. Oh, that looks so easy to go lie over there and save my rump with a couple lickings. Mm. But it's, in the end, is when we tell the truth and we are good at that, we truly receive the blessing. Mm-hmm. So remaining steadfast. Yes. Trusting fully what the Lord says? Yes. Okay. I have a question. Apart from this for a second. 
Did the Lord do anything with David during this time? Did he bless him? Oh, yes. Okay, how so? He gathered all this livestock, and he even got his own city. Mm-hmm. That was later added to his kingdom when he took the throne. He had all these livestock, fine clothing, everything his men were lacking prior to. He had in it over abundance. And all his men were able to dwell in the city with their families. Exactly. First Chronicles 12. Uh, the first, I'll say 18 or 19 verses. Talks about that exact thing. He, David, or the Lord, was also building up David's army. Talks about this whole time frame, this year or 16 months that David was in Ziklag, or with the Philistines. And um, it shows all these different groups and peoples that came and joined David's army. And then there are also, well, sons of Benjamin. So those are also people of Israel, which also was, you could say, contrary to what the king Akish said. Akish, Akish said of, he's, he's going to be utterly detested, essentially. Right, uh, the people of Israel are utterly abhorring him, and he'll be my servant forever. Well, the king is just dumb, in my opinion. Well, David wasn't very wise either in this. Right? Not that, but in the previous chapter, David pretended to be insane, and he sent him away. But then he came back, and he's clearly in his right mind, and his numbers grew. Well, no, he thought that wasn't actually David. That's right. what he said. He's like, we, I know who David is. David is this, 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 and this. That man is not this, 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 and this, and this. So he clearly hadn't had a clear visual sight of knowing David, but he had heard about him from reputation. So that's why David pretended to be crazy, so he didn't match the description, if you will. So it wasn't that he didn't, you know what I mean, like David or any of those things, or he recognized, you're David and you're crazy. It wasn't that. It was that he didn't match the description of who David was described to be. So when David came back acting like a normal person, it was okay with it. <clears throat> but anyway, so as I was pointing out, if you look at this chapter, you don't see the David articulate as he has in all the previous chapters. Look what the Lord's done. Look what the Lord's blessed me with. And, right? Yes. And he's brought all these people to him. And he, there's, that's not in here. Actually, it doesn't even mention it in Chronicles. But clearly the Lord sent them, sent the people to him. Yes. He grew his army. He prospered him even while he was, oh, I don't want to say captivity, but even when he was in the area of the Philistines. With people from Israel. Yes. I mean, that's, that's only the Lord. I can do that. Prosper them in numerous ways. Mm-hmm. When you're soaking, it's hard to see the blessing of the Lord. Absolutely. It's hard to take stock and value what it is that he's doing for you. You despise it, and you go. You, if you notice you're at all. You're either despising it, or you're saying, look what I did. Mm-hmm. It was my thoughts and my actions that led to this. Mm-hmm. Even though 
every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Lord had even set it up where if you continue to read this, and as we will, but also in First Chronicles, um, the rest of that chapter, chapter 12, you see some of the people that the Lord sent also helped him put the kingdom together. They also helped him against raiders that came and made off with all their stuff. He, he sent them before that happened. They defected mm-hmm. to David. Amen. Remember we talked about, um, I think it's a couple of days ago, um, how the enemy tries to distract you and get you to jump off course. And that usually means like right around the corner. You're going to, you know, like the, the blessing is happening and that you're going to see the manifestation. It's, it's coming. It's right around the corner. But he comes just before we see it in the natural to try to throw you off, to cause you to despair, to get you off track, to doubt God, to start taking things into your own hands. Why? Because he can get an open door that way. But if you just hold steady, God is still good. He didn't need you to do wrong. He does not need us to sin. Hear me loud and clear for him to be God. He does not need our sin at all because he made Adam and Eve in a garden that did not have sin, right? Yes. When we go into heaven, there will be no sin. Not even anything that even causes a lie will be able to enter in. So clearly that's not what God needs. It's not what he's looking for. It has no relevance or bearing on his goodness towards us, right? Yes. Not like we sin more, we can have, no, 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 no. So, all these things, like you said, honey, God, all this good, God had planned and intended. Okay, you know, God's got his map out, if you will. And he's like, okay, this is this is David's track. When David gets to this point right here, we've already set up, right? Because all the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So Hebrews tells us to cease from our labors, but the labor that we should work in this to enter into God's rest. That means apply our faith to what he's already spoken. Mix our faith with the word of God that he's already preached to us so that way he can carry out his good pleasure and just do what he asks us to do. So he said, okay, when David gets to this point, I've already got these people coming and they've already been orchestrated. They'll meet him there, right? And then this next point, it'll be there, but I'll be with them all along the way. We're going to do this, that, and the other. But humans go, oh, it looks like you're not coming, Lord. And we drive off the course and but God had already planned and predestined and purpose for a step. When we meet, reach this point right here, this is what I have for you, et cetera, et cetera. So don't look at things and be short-sighted. David was short-sighted here. All these, God would have blessed him. He didn't need to steal from anybody else. He didn't need to do that. He just gave him a rich widow. Yes. And I'm pretty sure the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. That's what he says. So I know it's true. And then think about Jacob. When Laban had changed his wages, God gave him a herd out of no herd, seemingly. Over the course of time, God caused his herd to grow so large that the one man had nothing and he had everything. But he didn't steal it. He used it. He said, he made a fair deal. I'll have all the speckled and spotted. You can keep all the white ones. Then he put the little sticks <laughs> The little rods he made mm-hmm. out in front of him. That's the wisdom. The Lord gave him wisdom. Right? That's that's the Lord helping him. And they began to produce. And they were they were fertile and abundant. Because God says that. Or even our livestock won't miscarry. That's part of that promise in Deuteronomy. Everything that we put our hands to will prosper. 
Exactly. So they started reproducing, but it was speckled and spotted. So why couldn't why couldn't God do for that do that for him? Why did he need to steal? He didn't. He certainly didn't need to lie. And Akish was kind to him and loved him. But he repaid that with lies and disrespect and mistreatment. I don't I don't think that that's okay. Even though he's a Philistine, God had people outside of Israel that loved him and believed him. Hello, Balaam. Then, you know, he went the wrong way, but he was still a prophet of the Lord. God spoke to him regularly, clearly. Jesus says, I have sheep outside of this house that I, am, I must bring in. Hence, right? Yes. We're not Jews in the natural. We get to share in the same inheritance. Absolutely. So God would have blessed him, and he didn't have to mistreat Akish in this way, he could have still been blessed. He already had land and territory. He already had, I mean, Abigail, her husband, her deceased husband was like a king. I mean, just that one thing alone. But then now they have the opportunity to build with their own hands. You got houses that you did not build, yes. living in land. You know what I mean? So... God was already doing his part. He didn't need him to add this, the, the other stuff, the sinful stuff on top of it. But it just goes to being in alignment with the Lord, right? If we love the fasted life, we will be able to not just hear, but also see the things that the Lord is doing in and for us. Mm -hmm. But if you give in to the flesh, it will cloud that. You will be blinded to it. Especially if you start making actions and decisions in that state. That's how the enemy wants to get in. So remain submitted to the Lord mm -hmm. and just be obedient to his leading through the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't be weary in well-doing. All right. Well, let's, let's close there for today. Um, who's closing us out in prayer? I will. Kyla, All right, Kyla. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for continuing to stir us up and encouraging us, God. And we thank you that you're faithful, and even when we forget that you don't forget the promises you made to us, and you'll remember it through the generations, God. And we thank you that you're more than enough, God. And even when things look hard or our vision is fuzzy, that you cause our sight to clear and continue to walk before you and achieve all, those that, all the things that you said you had for us. We ask that you continue to teach us, God. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. Everybody have a wonderful day. Bye. <laughs> God Bye. bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.